All right. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Gravity Podcast. I hope uh, you've all enjoyed a successful and energizing jump into the new year. We are settling into 2022, but that does not mean we are back to our original structure just yet. I am still on sabbatical. So today's episode is something that I've been teasing for some time now. I always wanted to do an Ask Me Anything format. And with some downtime recently, I was able to sit down and go through your incredibly thoughtful questions to finally do that episode. There were so many good submissions. We've split the project into two different episodes. So today's questions and my answers are closer related to business entrepreneurship and my professional motivations and goals. Uh, Next week, we'll get into the personal side of things with mindset and parenting topics, etc. So big thanks to everyone who took the time to pose a question and make these episodes possible. I invite you all to ask me anything, anytime in my DMs or commenting on our content. And we'll make sure to get it worked into the next AMA series, which uh, we will continue on throughout the coming year. All right, let's get started. First off, talk about your entrepreneurial milestones. What were the toughest periods of growth? Well, let's see. You know, milestones for me really were starting my company. It's been 10 years since we started Kaufman Development and um, and then celebrating the 10-year anniversary. So um, definitely taking that leap, that first big leap into truly being an entrepreneur. I had some experience in being an entrepreneur as a kid, starting a tennis racket stringing business, selling all kinds of things at Grateful Dead concerts with my friend Jason Bromberg and, you know, a lot of other kind of miscellaneous ventures along the way. I started to get into real estate development for myself, buying and renovating duplexes probably 15 years ago. And then when I started Kaufman Development, that was truly my first step into being an entrepreneur. And uh, there have been many milestones along the way, finishing our first project, you know, any kind of recognition that we got from a list and an award, you know, those things are nice. Selling projects, making money, getting kind of off the the debt, the recourse, the, the risk, milestones. We count our projects as complete when we have not just finished them or moved people in, but when we've actually gotten off the risk, the the personal guarantees on debt. For those of you that are in real estate, you'll know what that is. And that is certainly a milestone. Tough periods of growth. Yeah, I mean, look, it's all tough. I, I, you know, I think anybody that tells you that growing in any way isn't tough, you know, is lying to you. To me, growth is hard. Being uncomfortable is not easy. And getting comfortable being uncomfortable, as my friend and I were just talking about, is that's really, that's really incredibly rewarding, but difficult work. A lot of tough periods through the pandemic, tough periods where, you know, projects have been challenged with schedules and budgets, where we've had turnover on our team, where we've had to replace contractors, start over with new architects. You know, those are all kind of 
tough periods within the business. Okay, next question. Anything unique you can share about your hiring practices? Yeah, we like to say that we focus on hiring for skill, passion, and effort. So those three things are really what we're looking for. When I first started the company, it was really important for me to find people outside of the industry. I did not want people that were coming to our work from a place of all kinds of bad historical habits. I wanted to build a company that was focused on a brand, a a point of view that had retail experience, that was um, built around technology, and that was really experiential. And that did not exist as far as I knew in the real estate business at the time, didn't exist in the multifamily segment for sure. There were people that would kind of bounce around from uh, apartment company, management company, maybe within the real estate business, brokerage, single family. But I hired people mostly that were coming out of retail brands like Abercrombie and Fitch and the L brands um, at the time. And I wanted people that really understood what it meant to embody a brand. And so that was the kind of passion piece. And in the early days, I think we were a little heavy on passion and we did not have actually the skill that we needed. So we had to kind of calibrate and really make sure we had people that were experts in their individual lane that really knew what they were doing and also had a passion for the big vision. So what we look for today is unique ability. Unique ability is defined by the thing that you actually love to do and you're excellent at. And so that's what we're looking for is people that are in their unique ability. This is strategic coach kind of learning. But if you can build a company full of people who love what they do and are great at it, then you can have a self-managed company. So today, you know, I spend a lot of my time on the kind of high-level visionary stuff. I spent a lot of time in the creative side, working with the architects, the interior designers, the marketing team, um, the events, the programming, trying to really lean into the experience. And I do not spend a lot of time on the operations, on the finance side, on the construction side. And I have people on our team that are experts at that and love to do it. And that goes all the way through the company. If you are going to be on our maintenance staff, on our service team, you have to love to want to help people maintain their homes and to service their homes. And if you love that and you're really good at it, then you don't need to be managed. You can be coached, which is the kind of um, uh, modern day version of management, but you can be really self-managed, which is, which is ultimately the goal. Okay, next question is advice on taking funding, giving up equity, and keeping your vision on track. Well, I can just tell you, you know, what I've done and what I really wanted for myself, what was really important for me was to not give up control. I did not want somebody to tell me whether or not they thought at the time something like having a transcendental meditation center or yoga classes or a community garden was a good use of money. 
and that it uh, might not show up on our income statement, our pro forma, as something that you could directly quantify as a source of revenue. And so for me, you know, I wanted to do what I wanted to do and I wanted to do it because I believed in it, because I had a vision for it, because there was more to the bottom line than just making money. And all of these things, those and many, many more, I felt collectively would drive results, drive performance, drive better bottom lines and um, ones that would be sustainable over long periods of time. That investing in the experience, in the brand, in the ethos, in the long-term value of our company and our communities could be done in a very particular way that included all the things that I was super passionate about. And I did not want to have those conversations even with an investor or with somebody else that might have had some decision-making. So keeping control over the brand, the vision, the key decisions was incredibly important to me. I think that you can overcome that if you have partnership that is really in sync and you have very clear roles and responsibilities that are divided and and in writing. So, you know, to me, that was what was really important. I do take on outside investment. They are not in the kind of key decision side of things. And I think that sometimes, you know, you have to give up control that I was fortunate enough to be able to get my first deal done that way and then build up a balance sheet that allowed me to continue to develop that way. That might not be the case for for everybody. So in the case you do need to raise equity and have to give up control, the key thing you really want to try to dig into is who are you dealing with? What is the character of the individuals? Are you aligned? Can you trust them? What is their track record? Can you talk to people that they have invested with? Other entrepreneurs that can tell you confidentially, honestly, what their experience has been. And again, you might not even have the ability to really be picky. And that information will still be super helpful. So at least you can go in knowing what it is you're signing up for. Don't lose sight of what it is that you are trying to get out of this. And make sure that you believe the person you're about to sign up with, the group you're about to lock arms with, shares your vision for what it is that you are trying to achieve and that your your goals are aligned. Alignment of interest is critical. Okay, next, I'm saying no. How do you evaluate whether you're going to take on a project? Let's see, for me, this is pretty easy today and to some degree has always been pretty straightforward. I know that a piece of land or any project has to really be something that I want to spend time on. So if I don't want to get on an airplane, I don't want to get in the car and go see the site, go watch it come out of the ground, go to a meeting. If I can't energetically, and I really do believe that a lot of this is something that you can feel into. You can just, and it doesn't have to be like, super woo-woo, like an energetic thing, although it is, it, it can just be 
as simple as, do I want to do this? Yes or no? Is this something that feels like I'm going to be energized by, excited by, that I can um, fill my time with and be happy about it? And for me, that was always really critical. And as far as like specific sites and risk, you know, my kind of motto has been, I want to do things that have the opportunity for big wins, huge, you know, multiples that the downside is, is pretty minimal that, you know, you know, I know exactly how much money I'm putting in and I'm okay to lose it. Hopefully we can break even, but worst case scenario, that money gets lost. And I'm not talking about my investor's money. That's a very different thing, but my own personal money, especially when I'm doing venture deals, I know going in, you know, what my odds are. And if that money's lost, I'm not going to, it's not going to change my life. I'm not going to be horribly upset. But I have to believe that the downside is pretty minimal, that I can um, get my money back, I can break even. Usually that's kind of my barrier for downside and that if things go well, there's tremendous upside. So that's pretty simple and pretty stupid simple, but I like it that way. And, and I've started that way and I've kind of kept that lens and it's worked really well for me. I think sometimes people overcomplicate this or they get intimidated by not understanding economic returns and IRRs and multiples and all the various nuances of investing. You know, I look at it pretty simply. Can I break even? And is there a massive upside? And am I excited about what this company is doing or what this piece of ground we can do with? And if the answers to that are yes, then it's a go. Okay, can you teach entrepreneurship to K through 12 students, to adults, to anyone? I would like to recommend that you read a book called Leap by Gino Wickman. Leap by Gino Wickman. Gino is a great friend of mine. He is also a former guest on the podcast, so we can link to that episode. You can learn more about Gino's journey and about Leap. But the answer is... Yes, you can teach entrepreneurship, or I should say, yes, anyone can be an entrepreneur from K through 12 to adults. It's not something that is age agnostic. However, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. So let me be super clear about that. Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. And Gino has a test actually that you can take. And the whole book is about whether or not you should or are the kind of person that will love being an entrepreneur. A friend of mine's dad sat me down as I was getting started on my own, and I had actually started. I had signed a $30 million bank loan, which I did not have the money to pay back at the time. But I had a project, and I knew if that project went well, I would not only pay that bank loan back, but I would make money. And my friend's dad looked at me and said, do you lose sleep? Can you put your head on the pillow at nighttime and not lose sleep over the fact that you are personally guaranteeing a loan that you at the moment cannot afford to pay back? Does that bother you? Is that going to keep you up at night? And I thought about it. And the first thought that came to my mind is, I had never thought about that. And so when I signed that bank loan, there was no worry about it then. And I hadn't thought about it since. I hadn't been worried about it since. So I guess the answer is yes, I can sleep perfectly well at night and take that kind of risk. 
And those are just kind of my numbers and my stats and my uh, experience that might not be true for you. And others might tell you to take baby steps and to go slowly. And in many ways, I did that too. But ultimately, I'm trying to just demonstrate the point that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. And you have got to be comfortable taking some risks and you've got to be willing to work super long hours and you've got to be willing to iterate, not know exactly where the uh, end prize is always going to take you or pivot and shift and change and um, take on a whole bunch of things, including being out of balance towards the direction of your work for some period of time. Any entrepreneur will tell you that the journey at times might feel like it's going to kill you. And at times, it's absolute joy. For me, it's been all of those things. I now say I'm completely unemployable because I love it so much. I can never imagine working for anybody. And that's just me. But I believe that's true for a lot of people. But certainly not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. Thank God to have people that want to be a part of my dream and share vision and values, but don't want to take that risk themselves. It is absolutely not for everybody. And it's definitely something that kids are able to do and adults are able to do. There is no such thing as being too young or too old to be an entrepreneur. Okay. With such a track record of success, what keeps you motivated? By the way, I'm reading these questions for the first time. So I'm totally just off the cuff, top of head. And this is what comes up for me as I read them. But again, with such a track record of success, what keeps me motivated? For me, there's a through line to everything I do. And there are multiple motivating factors. I want to feel energized. I want to get out of the bed every day and feel excited about what I'm doing. It's very energetic for me at this point, which can sound pretty woo-woo, but it's true. I've kind of learned, you know, keeping it simple. But, you know, if it feels good and, and it feels right and aligned, then, you know, that's enough. It's a feeling maybe more than anything. What gets me excited is trying to make a difference in other people's lives, in the world, in our community, to the people that live in our projects with the podcast. I mean, this is This is not a financial winner for me. The podcast is solely about finding something that I enjoy doing that hopefully is making a difference in other people's lives. I hope and I get this feedback periodically and it really, really um, energizes me and and please like leave us reviews and, and send the notes. It does mean a lot to me to hear that something I've said, something that we're doing something a guest has shared has made a difference in somebody's life. Really, that is my uh, through line and ultimate motivator. I want to certainly be a good role model for my children. I want to um, make my wife proud and my family proud. I want to ultimately feel good about myself and how I put my head on my pillow and look myself in the mirror and look my kids in the eyes and feel good about how I'm spending my time. If I'm being honest, I'm still motivated by money, but less. I I like to uh, enjoy all that is out there in the world. I like to be able to use money for good. I believe in conscious capitalism. I, I want to be successful so I can recycle money back into the system, invest into other 
individuals that care about the same things I care about or have tremendous passion in a way that will better the world, even if it's unrelated to anything that I know or personally am passionate about. I want to be able to make money, to enjoy life, and to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. Again, it kind of comes back to that. Let's see, any long-term goals yet unreached? Yes, and that I think will continue to be true for me. I continue to just throw the stick, the, the stick back out there. And I, you know, I'm always kind of operating in the Dan Sullivan timelines, which is 90 days and 25 years. 25 years is the big vision that I constantly am looking at and then go back into my hole every 90 days and try to chip away at getting. With my business, I'm 10 years in. So um, I came up with a big 25-year vision. And you know, here we are 10 years later, and it feels like in the next 15 years, it's certainly achievable. And that's exciting. So that long-term goal just keeps getting thrown further back out there. Okay, thanks. We're going to clip it there. As the uh, next AMA episode will start, to peel back on a few more layers on what makes me tick. Again, if this has inspired any additional questions, please feel free to DM me or comment on our social post from this episode. And I look forward to continuing the Ask Me Anything series. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll catch up next week on the Gravity Podcast. <laughs>